Hello, Grandma. We are now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon. I'm here with Grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. <laughs> I love to teach you. <laughs> We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast, and it is February 10th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. Today, we are talking about your schooling experience in the 40s, mostly college, but you indicated to me that there was a couple of uh, things from your high school experience that you wanted to share too as well. So uh, without any further ado, um, tell me about high school, Grandma. Okay. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I kind of would like my descendants to know was that I was always a little bit bookish and from grade school on up, it seemed to me like every time they, the teachers wanted a, some kind of a little newspaper happening in the school, they asked me to be the editor of it. And I can remember clear back in, in uh, elementary school, we wrote with a special kind of ink and hand, hand, handwriting, and then took it into the principal's office where there was a, a thing called a ditto machine, ditto, like copy, but it was called a ditto machine. And we'd put that, uh, that ma uh, manuscript that we wrote with this special kind of ink on a, a, pla a platen that uh, absorbed that ink into the, I don't know what that was made of. It's, um, it, it was kind of a gel-like substance that was on a, on a circular uh, drum. And, uh, and this ink went on to that. And then we, could, then we could feed that through and crank it as we turned it, then it would send out uh, several copies of that same thing that we had written down. And I can, I can remember doing this in elementary school, writing little bits of news that happened in the school. I can't even think now what that would have been like, what kind of news it was, but running that ditto machine and then bringing it had a very, very loud smelling um, um, the fun part about my world today is that I lose my words. I told somebody today that one day all those words are going to come back to me and it's going to be so loud and all those words are <laughs> going to be crashing around in my head and in my ears and <laughs> all the words that I've lost in the meantime. But anyway, um, a liquid substance that we used 
to um, make that make that zero uh, machine make new copies, whatever that was. It smelled very. It was very smelly. And uh, so we we would bring that stack of smelly papers back into the classroom and pass pass those papers out to all the kids. Now, you can't even imagine such thing as that happening in today's world, but that was the little newspaper that I was the editor of back probably when I was in the fifth grade or sixth grade or both. Anyway, then when later on, I, I was asked to, to make news, news uh, articles for the, this was for the real newspaper for the Richfield Reaper, which is still in operation today. Um, I didn't write very many articles for them because I was busy at that time and didn't take it too seriously. And anyway, I did that a few times and that those little news articles from the probably junior high or high school were published in the in the newspaper back in the day i guess they were trying to figure out news something to fill up the pages so that was one thing that i did but then in high school i felt like my real one of my real contributions was that I was the editor of the of the yearbook. The yearbook was called the Siberian. Sevier County was where we lived, Sevier County, Utah, and uh, the Siberian was the name of our of our uh, yearbook, but. It was the year 1947 when I was getting ready to graduate and the it had been a hundred years from the time that the pioneers came to Utah and settled Utah. So we picked that as the theme for the yearbook and I even drew some pictures to go in the yearbook, plus, plus assembling all the kids' photographs and, and the uh, work that had been done, like the, like the basketball team and the future farmers and the and uh, all these different activities that went on, plays that were put on and so on, all of these things were put into the yearbook as activities. And, uh, and that, was, that was quite a big uh, focus during my senior year. And I just wanted I just wanted that to be kind of registered that 
Do you have I any do. of these yearbooks uh, around that people can look at still? I'm sure it's in my house somewhere, but right at this moment, I can't find it. I was trying to find it this week, but I don't know where it's been put. <laughs> so I, I need to find that out and get it where it can be seen again. But uh, we, one of the things that, one of the parts of the theme that we did for that yearbook was to show how things, how things were back in the day when the pioneers came and then how they were today, which was 1947. And uh, like transportation, like the, ha the pioneers coming with their, with their um, ox teams and, and the covered wagons and like that. And then, and then showing trains and airplanes and the kinds of transportation that were available in 1947, years later. That was, uh, that was quite, I think, interesting. Some people have said to me that they don't, think that I lived through a, a period of time of the greatest change. Well, I didn't live from the pioneer days till today, but a lot of the things that the pioneers did were the same things that I grew up with when I was a child. We still had horses that pulled our equipment on the farm and we still had uh, I didn't get running water until I was four years old, running water in the house. I didn't get to indoor plumbing, um, bathtub and a toilet and such like until that time. So those were pretty big changes. And the transportation seemed really immense to me, the difference between covered wagons and airplanes that were flying across the ocean and things like that. Amazing, amazing uh, advancements. And then as you, as you all know, it's been a lot of change since then. We've, we've done, gone to space, space uh, exploration and we've gone landed persons on the moon and we've, sent probes all the way to Mars and sur out circling Jupiter and many things like this that are quite amazing, way more amazing than just to have an airplane. But, but that was seemed like quite a big change to us. And it, wa it was a big change, but, but then now we have, now we have instead of that little ditto machine where I had to write with a special kind of ink in order to reproduce it, we have, as you know, all kinds of, all kinds of uh, equipment that we can use today to um, transfer information and, and print, print almost anything right in our homes with a with a printing printer and 
I remember when I was when I was trying to help my father, he wrote he wrote books. And some of the books that we first some of the books that we first made for him were made a successor to the ditto machine was a mimeograph machine. And in that you made a um, a, a master sheet that you could put into the mimeograph machine and it printed in black ink and, and uh, kind of the same idea. We had to stand in a little cubby hole and crank that machine and, and it, but it would send out as many pages as we wanted and way more than the little ditto machine used to print for us. So that um, that mimeograph machine was the way my father put out some of his writings for his family and for other people that might be interested. Why? Um, that's the way we did it. And even when I was on my mission, one of my jobs in the in the mission office was to make copies of our Northwestern States missionary uh, plan for teaching the gospel, which was a great new innovation started by my, my uh, mission president. And it uh, set forth in a systematic way the, the lessons that we should teach the missionaries. And this was, as far as I know, the first time that that was had or available in the church. Uh, maybe it was built on something that had been done in another mission earlier. But uh, my job was to make copies of that of that missionary plan, all those lessons that were outlined. And uh, people, missions from all over the world sent for, for copies of that plan so that they could uh, teach their missionaries how to do it. And my job was to make those, co make those copies, make those small books and, and mail them out to whoever, to whoever ordered them from wherever in the world they they came, um, made that order. So mm -hmm. that was an that was an in between uh, that was an in between thing. And then and then, but the mimeograph was in operation at that time. And then soon after that, it became it became such a thing as a an electric typewriter first electric typewriter was just a, a version of the old typewriter, just made it so that it went faster and easier, but you still had to type everything and it was all, and it was all, uh, basically just a manual typewriter, but with electric to make it easier. But then soon after that, I had a I had a typewriter 
that actually had a page, one page of memory in it. And that way I didn't have to retype the whole page if I, if I had errors, if I wanted to change, if I wanted to change the order in which something was presented, cut and paste, you know. Uh, and did you get that in college? Uh, probably not. I probably didn't have that until until right after college. But anyway, about somewhere around that time, there was that that made it so much easier to make a to make a correction to make an exact copy. I could I could do the whole page, and if then I could go back in the memory and change it like you can today, change whatever you wanted, fix the typos, uh, adjust wording or whatever, make it make it better and then print it out. And then you had a full uh, a full page written correctly. And I thought that was one of the most wonderful things I'd ever heard of. Yeah, the ability <laughs> to, to, to backspace is a precious one. Yeah. So back in one more one more thing about high school is that that uh, they usually ask the honor students to be on the commencement program, give give talks and so on. And my English teacher didn't want me to be asked to be on that program and give a talk because she had in mind that we should have a class poet. And she wanted me to be that class poet and to write a special uh, poem detailing the events of our of our graduation in poetry rather than in in uh, so she wouldn't let them have me be shown as an honor student but she made she made them have me be the class poet do you so, have the poem that you wrote for the class i do it it's called it was called winds of history See the theme that we're talking about being the being the uh, idea of hundred year celebration of of the arrival of the pioneers in Utah, and so I wrote I wrote what I thought was a nice poem about how history has changed over the years, and. And then just to finish that idea, in the years since then, when, I, when we had class reunions, every time we've had a class reunion since then, I wrote a new update for the winds of history. And so it represented some of the some of the advance, 
advancements that have been made since those days and also some of the challenges that came along as we we thought we we were just out of the war we were just out of this um, terrible conflict that had been going on for five years that had, had disrupted the whole world for a long period of time. We were just out of that and we were so excited and so hopeful, so thrilled that, that we were in a new period of peace and and development and all we expected all of these new wonderful things to come about and many of them did many of the uh, advancements in in medicine and in in transportation and in they were building toward the uh, computers and the things like that as time went on. But the, that excitement didn't last from then till now, didn't last over that 65 years since then because we've had so many uh, problems, more wars, all kinds of disruptions in politics and, and all kinds of things that have created problems for us. So my, the poetry that I wrote reflected these changes and how we had stood up to the changes that came along through life and and they sort of bragged on us. They hadn't yet coined the term the greatest generation that came along quite a bit later, but I just felt like that our generation that came through that wartime was a special generation and in, a, in some phraseology that we use right now, nowadays, we could do hard things was my idea. And those, those things were represented in those poems that I have written in regard to the, to the winds of history. Well, I'm excited to hear them. I, uh, I hope you find them and bring them along to next week and we can read them at the beginning of uh of of the conversation because i would love to hear them uh after college you went to sorry after high school you went to college at uh brigham young university right right so tell me about that uh where when did you go uh what major did you study and uh we'll go from there It, it wasn't a hard choice for me to make to, to choose to go to Brigham Young. Um, several of my 
several of my siblings had gone there earlier. And so I kind of had a little soft, soft spot in my heart for that place. And I thought, well, I'll just, that's where I'll go. And uh, the principal came and said that he had a, he had a hundred dollar scholarship for me to go to the, to the University of Utah. Did I want, did I want that? And did I want to go there? Well, a hundred dollars, my tuition for the entire year to go to B, BYU was $103. So he's talking about a tuition, a full year's tuition. But I still felt like that I really wanted to go to Brigham Young. So that's what I chose. And in order to earn the money that I needed to pay the tuition every, every year, I, my, my father had a job working for the government in the agricultural department. And uh, he, he got them to allow me to work in his, in his office in Richfield for just for the summer months. And I did that all the way through high school, through college. When summertime came, I went back to work in my father's office and helped him with those, with the secretarial work that he needed there. And then uh, pretty well saved all my money and got enough money put aside so that I could pay my tuition year by year at the at the BYU. And we went, we were on a four, four quarter system instead of two semesters like they have now. But uh, anyway, the normal, the normal thing to do would be to to go to go for three three quarters and then take the summer off, or you could go through the summer quarter as well if if you wished. But most most of the students did the same as the regular uh, regular uh, school uh, system, which was to go for nine months and then take the three months off in the summer. So what, so that, is, what uh, sorry, what prompted you to go to college and was it a normal decision for women your age to make at that time? Well, I wouldn't say all of girls did, but quite a few did. It was coming into, <clears throat> it was coming into Bogan and, and the girls were going, more girls were going to college than before, but but way more of the boys went to college in those days than girls did. But I was always bookish and I was liked, I liked learning and I was always so eager for school to start again when, when the summer was ending. I was so excited always to have summers, summer be over and be back to school because I loved school. And I, and I just, wanted to keep on 
I just wanted to keep on going to school and go to go to college and go to uh, um, go to BYU like my sisters had done. Did just, either of your parents go to college? Well, they they called it college, but it really was. But see, they only had with my in my parents' day, they only had public school up till the eighth grade. So the eighth grade was usually the end of school, but then my mother went to Snow Academy after that, and she was, uh, she learned to be a teacher. And, uh, and so it was, it was considered college in those days, but it wasn't really. It was because it was just like high school is today. They, the eighth grade was the end of public school. So if you went on to an academy or something like, it was considered college. And she was qualified at the end of that, she was qualified to go to or to teach school, which she did for for several years. Um, you mentioned that. that you loved to learn and uh, you couldn't wait to get back to school. What were some of the things that you studied in college uh, that you loved to learn about? Oh, I just went on with with all the things I loved. I loved my English classes. I loved studying literature and and uh, even grammar and and all the points of fine points of English but I I just I loved those classes a lot I loved working with words because I had been I had been as I said I'd been writing things since I was down in grade school for writing things for the public, so I call it the public. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought that I was going to major in journalism. And then, but I thought journalism was going to teach me writing skills. And journalism seemed to be how to write for a newspaper and that and it didn't that didn't seem to me to be what I wanted so much so I didn't stay with that but just the idea of being excited to learn things I I started taking French and I just loved that it was a different language but it was those same ideas and the same skills and how to how to use words and learn um, that that language and and how it was put together and and so on so i i took french i i took french all the way through college and and did a had a minor in french another thing i loved was history i just loved the stories i loved the history of the united states i loved knowing how our our um, roots extended back into England and 
what happened before before that and so on. I just loved the stories. I loved finding out all those kind of things. And and so history was another. I did I did have two two minors, a double minor, one in history and one in French. And uh, and what was your major? My major, I eventually, after I took classes for several, for quite a few uh, quarters, why I thought, well, I have to declare a major. <laughs> so, fi <laughs> so finally I did, I elected elementary education because my mother was a teacher, my grandmother before her was a teacher, my sister was a teacher and so on. And I just, I just- And my mother, of... your daughter was a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it spans the generations. Yes, it does. So anyway, that, that kind of thing uh, just seemed, it just seemed natural to me. And I, I look at it, when I finished when I finished school at the end I just couldn't seem to I could not seem to connect with with a district anywhere that needed me for a teacher I couldn't find a job it was very frustrating to me and but at that same time that I was trying to find a job I met my husband and we decided to be married and the he was going to go into the army and I wanted to be able to be with him. And so as it turned out, it was, I just didn't ever teach school, even though I, even though I had uh, trained for it, but one of the one that you said what did i do that what classes did i take that i really loved i'll tell you a class that to this very day stays with me and i really loved it was a class in hiking yes <laughs> i what one summer i my last my my last summer between between my junior and my senior year at the BYU, I discovered that that they taught a class in hiking. And I thought, I'm just going to stay in Provo for the summer and I'm gonna take some classes and and I'm gonna take that hiking class, which I which I did. I was I was staying. I had a a chance to live at my sister's house, and so I I could I could go, and she had she she had a home in Orem, and. Uh, it was a little ways away, so I had to bring my bicycle to Provo, and I would ride my bicycle up to campus in the morning from Orem over to 
to the BYU campus. And then because BYU had a dress code and girls were not permitted to wear pants on campus, I would change into a dress. And then, then I would take my classes uh, on campus and then change back into my into my slacks we called them in those days and ride back ride my bicycle back to Orem where I live but the hiking class took us all over those mountains on the east of of Provo and one of the first hikes we did was to hike up to the Y, which overlooks the whole valley. And they did some small hikes like that to kind of get us into, into condition, conditioning hikes. And then we went, um, oh my, we went everywhere, all over those mountains. We went up to Bridal Veil Falls and hiked up to the top of Bridal Veil Falls and then on a trail that led over the top of those mountains up Provo Canyon and came down into uh, probably Rock Canyon or someplace in uh, just east of Provo. And Bridal Veil Falls, as you know, is, is, uh, is north of Provo, but that was that was one of the hikes that was wonderful. And another one was when we hiked up behind the behind, up to the Y and then behind the Y and then south over the tops of all those mountains ending up in Springville. And uh, another one we went up the Provo River on the on the riverbed and hiked along the side of the river uh, for a long way up up through Provo Canyon. Anyway, culminating at the end of the season, I went on the Timp hike, which was like one of the most magnificent things that ever happened to me. I just couldn't believe how you could be on the top of that mountain and see in four directions forever and ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Such I've been to the top of Timpanogos. It's gorgeous. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that was kind of that was kind of an elevation, elevated idea to hike all those mountains. It was so wonderful. We we didn't have hiking trails where I was where I grew up, uh, we could hike in the foothills around, around Sigurd and around the, the Richfield, but our mountains weren't tall and magnificent like the mountains around Provo. So it was a different experience for us. So I learned to love hiking so much and just anyway, that was just one of the classes that I really, really loved. Well, I but feel I, like you've already mostly answered my next question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyways. 
what did you do for fun as a college student, Grandma? Oh, I just thought that everything I did in Provo was fun because I was, I was in a new place. I was away from home, so everything was new and exploratory to me. And I just, I just thought everything was fun. I just, I look on my college years as being one great joy. It was, to me, it was the, the joy of all that learning, all that, all those wonderful things that I was learning, but also all those new places that I was and those new experiences that I was having. And uh, we used to, in the winter, we'd take our skates and go down to um, Utah Lake where the harbor was and they had it, some of it blocked off to be a skating rink in the harbor of uh, Utah Lake. And so we did that quite a bit. And uh, of course, uh, we had the, the LDS sorority was, I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> anyway, something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, had, they had activities. They had uh, parties and things that you could go to and, and dances and just the kind, I think a lot of the same kind of activities that they have in for recreation for college today, sponsored uh, activities like that. And then, uh, and then just, <laughs> I just, just remembering one time when my, my friends from Sigurd showed up. And so we were, they wanted me to take them around and show them what there was around Provo. And I ended up taking, showing them all the graveyards around Provo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I suddenly remembered that. <laughs> That was just a silly evening, but we <laughs> just saw anything that was fun. Anything was fun, it seemed to me like. Whatever we did was fun. Are you still in contact with any of the friends you made in college today? Probably not. I, I was trying to remember if if I was trying to remember if any of them were still alive. Yeah, I did. I just got a letter. I just got a letter uh, a little while ago from my one of my former roommates. She she was kind of a enigma to all of us because she came from a place in upstate New York. Apparently very poor people. She told us that 
she, we said something to her one day about about uh, her shoes. Did she have? She always wore the same pair of shoes. Do you have any other pairs of shoes? And she said, "Well, I'm not quite used to wearing shoes yet." She said. <laughs> so that kind of gave us a clue, <laughs> a clue about the about her background. But she was a very intelligent girl and and did well in college. And but she was the first first of her of her generations to go to college so I, that's just kind of an interesting circumstance in regard to her and just one more story in regard to her a couple of years ago there was were terrible fires in california and she wrote to me and said that she couldn't stay in her home which was in chico california because the smoke from the Paradise fire was so bad that she couldn't breathe. So she left there and spent several months down in Texas where her daughter lived. So I just thought that was an interesting circumstance. And and because she was she lived near to all those terrible fires in in California. And then she went back and lived at her at her uh, home again for a while. But this year, there was more fires in the same area, in the same neighborhood. And so she said she she let her home go. I guess that means she sold it. But anyway, she moved to. Washington State, where she lives now. Do you remember her name? Her name was Doris. Doris Sunderland was her last name. And she married a man by the name of Mon Montague. These are incredible names. <laughs> yeah. And let's see, there's something else I was going to tell you. Oh, yeah. While she lived in, while she lived in um, California, she wrote and told me that she had met somebody that was that was from had his roots in Richfield, Utah, which was where I went to high school, and she wanted me to know that that her bishop was the son of these certain persons that she named. Well, those, both of those, both of his parents were friends of mine in college, in high school, I'm sorry, in high school. And I thought that was really interesting that that, that kind of connection came up. Small world. Yeah. And he, he wrote to me and wanted me to tell stories about his parents because at that time, both of his parents had passed on. And he wanted me, he wanted some information about, about his parents. And when he learned from Doris that, 
that uh, she knew somebody that went to that school. I, I, I wrote, I corresponded with him a few times and told him some the incidents regarding his uh, his parents and. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that uh, he he put on the family search program, he put a picture of our grade school, grade school, first and second grades of grade school. He put this picture of our class on, on that. And he said, I just wondered if you knew any of the, he said, first of all, tell me which ones in this class is you and tell me if you recognize any of the kids in this class. So it just so happened that I had a full record of that whole entire picture <laughs> in, my, in my book of remembrance. And so I get, he was quite impressed that I had all of that, and he was excited because you were able to help him out. Yeah, his mother, his mother grew up next door to me, and then later moved to Richfield after after we were in high school. The family moved up there where the kids were closer to their high school. But but uh, so anyway, connections like that, just interesting little tidbits. Yeah, it sounds like you remained um, at least somewhat connected to the friends you made in college, which is very cool, you know, coming all these years later. We are coming towards the end of our conversation today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about your experience in college in the 40s and early 50s? Well, I... I went, I went, I went to college for for three years, as I as I mentioned, and then the beginning of that fourth year, or in the summer, I took that summer summer school class. <coughs> excuse me, and the one I talked about when I went on the hiking class, and. Uh, then I had a couple of weeks off before classes were going to start again. And I was all ready to go back to, to college in the fall. And I went home to spend that couple of weeks with my family. And I went to church that Sunday morning and my bishop cornered me and he said, do you want to go on a mission? And I said, well, I'm not old enough to go on a mission because at that time, the mission age for women was 23 and I was 21. And, uh, and he said, oh, but they just changed the age for women. And, you know, it didn't sweep the whole church like it did when they changed the age for our young men from down to 19 and then to 18 and so on. Everybody seemed to know it instantly, but it didn't seem to make that big of a ripple. 
anyway, I hadn't ever heard that. And I said, oh, well, I didn't know that. And since then, I learned that that the reason they changed that was that our young men were were going um, into the army, the the Korean War was on, and uh, and so the the church was needing missionaries to replace the young men who were having to go into the army instead of going on their missions. So I learned I learned that much later. I didn't know it at the time, but. I talked it over with my parents and they said they, because I hadn't saved up any money to, you know, with the idea of going on a mission. But my dad said he would support me on my mission and if I wanted to go and he was in favor of it because it was a good, uh, we we were very much into the church and it was a good thing to do. So, so that's what I did right then. I just, they said, well, do you want to finish school and go in the spring or do you want to, or do you want to go now and then finish school in the spring? And so that's what, that's what I elected to go right then. And so instead of going back to college in the fall, I went on my mission and I was gone for um, almost two years. It it was two years from then before I got got back into college. And and so I had that that experience in between. Well, that is a very good place to end today because next week is, that's what we're gonna be talking about, your mission and your experience in, uh, in the northeast northwest sorry northwest uh (laughs) northwest uh portion of the united states and being a sister missionary so um grandma thank you very much for having this conversation today i uh i enjoyed it a lot and i am looking forward to next week you've you've done a good job of of baiting the hook and so uh i uh i'm looking forward to this uh very much Um, With that being said, I'm going to end today's recording and, uh, well, I guess, is there anything else you would like to add? I just want to say thank you, Jonathan. You are are very good at at leading the discussion and getting the questions in that that, uh, lead to the interesting things. I'm very proud of you for doing this and I'm thankful for you for doing it too as well. well thank you very much I'm glad I didn't stop recording so we got that on the permanent record <laughs> <laughs> all right goodbye grandma I love you Bye. very much I love you I love